Well, Happy New Year. Oh, thanks. I hope you had a nice Christmas. I hope some of us were able to spend time with family. Uh, And I hope that as good Christian folk, all of us took every possible opportunity to use the phrase, the true meaning of Christmas. Did everyone get that in a few times? Certainly hope so. Well, it's all done for another year. But before we take the Christmas tree down and recycle those Christmas cards and take all the unwanted gifts to the charity shop, let's um, take one last look at the image on the front of the Christmas cards, which is, I hope, about to appear on the screen. Um, Because when you hear that phrase, the true meaning of Christmas or the real meaning of Christmas, I guess something like this is roughly what you might have in your head. Is this what Christmas is really all about? Well, pretty much, yeah. But you see, there's a lot more going on here than just a baby being born in unusual circumstances. This is the God of everything screaming into his creation, I have seen you. I know where you are. I know your situation. I've heard you, and I care, and I've come to be with you. And that's why when Isaiah prophesied about Jesus in Isaiah 7, verse 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's what I've got to say to you this morning. God is with you. God is with me. And this really simple truth is something that many of us have probably known for quite a long time. If you grew up in a Christian family, I imagine you'll have learnt that famous memory verse, Joshua 1 verse 9, where God says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. We know this stuff, right? So it might seem strange that as I stand up to talk to you today, I've never been more convinced than I am today that what I've got to share with you is what God wants his people to hear this morning. I believe God wants to do something with this truth. God is with you. The story of this message starts a few weeks ago. I was uh, in church. I was sat somewhere over here, I think. um, And it was one of those moments where the microphone goes around and people are encouraged to pray as they feel led to do so. And uh, Angela Vincent was praying. And if I'm totally honest, I'm sorry about this, I wasn't really fully concentrating. So I don't know everything that she said, but then in the middle of her prayer, she used this phrase, God is with us. And you know, there are those moments as a Christian where you think, I feel like God might be speaking here, but I'm not 100% sure about it. Well, it wasn't one of those. Um, this, This little phrase, God is with us, pierced through the fact that I wasn't even concentrating and hit my heart so hard that I knew, absolutely knew, God was speaking. I knew he wanted me to know this in a different way. God is with you. But I didn't really know why he wanted me to know that in a different way. So there's Sunday morning, totally impacted by this truth, God is with you. Roll forward a couple of days to Tuesday, and at about half past 11 in the morning, I received the email that no teacher ever wants to receive. The inspectors are coming. (laughs) And worse than that, in this email was a very uh, simple little line that said that the lead inspector of the team was going to spend his whole day the next day in my department. He was allowed to ask any question he wanted, turn over whatever stone he wanted, and find out everything. For those people who are not teachers, um, often inspectors have a reputation of being these kind of shadowy, mysterious, cloaked figures who appear. Um, they get obsessively interested in one tiny little area of what you do, and they probe that area and spot weaknesses. So 
because you have no idea in advance what that area is going to be, there's not a lot of preparation that you can make other than getting increasingly stressed and worried. So I didn't really sleep very well at all on Tuesday night. Wednesday morning, I got in the car to drive to work. Um, and it would be fair to say that it was not well with my soul as I got in the car. I was exhausted. I was scared. I was frightened. Fear and anxiety were foremost in my mind. And I started to pray as I tried to do on the way to work every morning. And straight into my mind popped that phrase, God is with you. And I started uh, to pray around that theme, almost preaching to myself. And you don't go into that place alone. You're going with God. They're not just your words, but your words are inspired by the Holy Spirit. You will never be on your own today. You're not just anybody. You're a child of the King. And as I was saying these things to myself, I could almost see the fear and the anxiety shrink. And I could feel courage and confidence growing. See, what I believe had happened is that on Sunday morning, as Angela had prayed, prophesied actually, something had been imparted to me like a weapon to be used in prayer. And I didn't really need it on Sunday, but you better believe I needed it on Wednesday morning. And I believe that that's what God wants to do amongst us this morning. I believe he wants to impart this truth into our hearts. I am with you. Not just into our heads, but into our hearts. And I believe he'll use this, and we can use this as a weapon in prayer as we go through our year. Let's pray together, shall we? Jesus, we thank you that you have promised that you will be with us. Father, will you plant the seed of this simple little truth into our hearts? And will you cause that seed to grow and to bear fruit in your perfect timing uh, as we need it and as you need it for your kingdom this year? Amen. Well, if we're going to talk about God being with us, I guess it would make sense to start by thinking a little bit about who this God is who has promised to be with us. I'm going to read a number of passages of Scripture to you, just one after the other. You might want to close your eyes and think about the picture that this paints of God. Maybe you want to follow it on the screen behind me. First passage of scripture we're going to look at is in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. So Solomon has just finished building his temple. And it says this. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down, and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshipped, and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good, his love endures forever. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying, and they were calling to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Matthew chapter 2. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Matthew chapter 8. Then he got into the boat, and the disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. 
He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And finally, Exodus chapter 3. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. See, these passages paint a picture of a God who is holy, who is separate, who is different, and who is terrifyingly mighty. When the fire of God falls, you can't be in that place, whether you're a priest or not. There is something altogether scary and frightening about the presence of a God this powerful. And when God begins to move in these ways, our responses might start with wonder like the disciples did. Who is this God? And maybe they progress so far as worship, like the people of Israel getting down in the dirt to praise the God who just filled the temple. Or the Magi, as they, these distinguished visitors came into a, a, an ordinary little house and on seeing a newborn baby or, or a young child fell to their knees in, wor- in worship. Sometimes we start with wonder, we get to worship, but, but many people in Scripture on seeing the work of God end at fear. Did you see that Moses, when God was speaking to him, hid his face? I don't want to look at this God. This God who even his very presence makes the ground holy. You can't just wear the sandals that you were wearing to herd sheep in the presence of someone like this. There is real fear. Or Isaiah, when he saw this vision of God, said, Woe to me because I know who I am and I know how holy and how mighty this God is. He's altogether different. This is something that I can't get too close to. Don't come any closer God said. See, throughout Scripture, there are multiple occasions where God promises to be with his people. He promised to be with Moses. He promised to be generally with the people of Israel. We've already seen he promised to be with Joshua. He promised to be with David and Solomon and many others besides. But this presence, this promising that I will be with you always came with a distance. The people of Israel weren't allowed to even touch the mountain of the Lord. It was too holy, too separate, too different. Moses, when he heard God speaking, hid his face because he was afraid to look at this God. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your shoes. This is something special. Elijah, as God said, I'll show show myself to you. Elijah had to hide in a cave, and when he heard the still, small voice of God, he came out with his face covered. See, there was a distance. There had to be a distance. You didn't just stroll into the Holy of Holies. Because in there was perfect, holy, almighty God, and out here was sinful, broken, fallen man. How astonishing it must have been then when this God chose to inhabit the womb of a teenage pauper from Nazareth. And as Jesus was born and Mary and Joseph and a bunch of shepherds looked at that little baby's face, they were doing the very thing that people in the Old Testament were terrified to do. They were looking fully at the face of God. Jesus didn't stay as a baby. He grew up and God went to school and God went to work and God had dinner with people. It was almost as though that that distance was shrinking. God was doing something new. 
Isaiah had prophesied about this. Isaiah chapter 53. Listen to this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we're healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. See, that distance that had to be there between perfect God and imperfect man, a lot of that was for our own good. Perfect man can't go into it, sorry, imperfect man can't go into the presence of perfect God. But on the cross, what Jesus was doing was dealing with the sin that meant that there had to be distance. There had to be separation. So Romans 8.1 can say, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The culmination of this is a beautiful moment in Scripture. Luke 23. It was now about noon. And darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. See, that curtain in the temple was a very clear sign. That side, holy, perfect, mighty God. This side, imperfect people. You can get as close as the curtain, but you don't want to go further than that because you don't just stroll into the Holy of Holies. In there, it's terrifying. When the temple curtain tore, what was being announced as loudly as it could possibly be announced is, I have dealt with sin. It is gone. The thing that meant that you had to be distant, that you had to be separated, that is finished. It's over. And you can stroll right in. The last words of Jesus recorded in Matthew's gospel are these. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. No distance anymore. No separation anymore. You don't have to take off your sandals, even though the place you're standing is holy ground. In fact, Jesus has promised, I am with you always. And what that means is that the place you're standing is always holy ground. We carry the presence of the Almighty with us. I don't know what your year looks like. I don't know what's in store even for me, let alone for you. But what I do know is that the stress and the anxiety and the worries that will inevitably come with certain days, certain weeks, certain months of this year will have to yield its authority to the truer reality that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. The roaring lion of Judah is with me and with you, not separated, not at a safe distance, but close, intimate. I believe that a Christian who has grasped this truth, a Christian who is aware of who is with them, is somebody who takes ground for the kingdom. Everything looks different once you grasp this. Let's be those this year who are deliberate about recognizing the presence of God with us. In the good times, on Sunday mornings and on small group nights, but in the hard times, in the car on the way to work, when you know that your day is going to absolutely stink. Let's be, pre let's be aware of God's presence with us. See, the God who created everything, the one for whom nothing is impossible, has promised, I will be with you always to the ends of the age. How about that as a truth to start your year, Ronnie? Eh? Let's pray, shall we?
Why don't you just take a moment to reflect on what you've heard, to consider this truth. He's with you. He's with you. You know, he's right here this morning. Holy God. God that's so holy that without Jesus, we can't even look at him. He's here with us. The Lion of Judah. The galaxy maker. The God who is perfect, who is beyond understanding. The God who can do anything. He's here walking amongst us. He wants to put his hand on your shoulder. He wants you to know that he's with you.